Hi friend, this is Alex McRobbs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world to the Middle East at age 23, and I never went back. I got sober in 2019, and I now live full-time in Bali, Indonesia. I've made it my mission to help other women around the world stop drinking, start yoga, and change their lives through my online Sober Girls Yoga community. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am so excited to be sitting here with Ellen Woods today. And Ellen was a guest on the podcast way back in the day. I honestly don't even remember when we did that first connection. But since then, the journey has evolved so much because Ellen and I actually met in Bali in November. She hosted a retreat here, which I got to be the yoga teacher on, which was so amazing. And I'm just so excited to have her here today to hear more about her journey and her story and our thoughts around stepping outside of your comfort zone in sobriety. So welcome, Ellen. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm really super happy to be here. And it like the universe just aligned. Everything happened, didn't it, to make sure that we connected in person in Bali. Um, and I was trying to tell somebody today, I think it's like two years, it was during the pandemic that you and I connected on Instagram mm-hmm. and I started coming to your classes online um, and you weren't in Bali then. And then when I saw you in Bali, I was like, Alex can do the the yoga. And it was so funny because I hadn't told any of my people that you were doing yoga and they were like, oh, Alex is in Bali. The, the sober yoga girl is in Bali. I was like, yeah, Alex is doing our yoga. And they were like, oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a real treat for everybody <laughs> and it was so amazing for me to connect with other sober women who were not necessarily in my community because I just got such different perspectives and experiences and it was just really cool fusion to kind of bring different communities and groups together yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so it was a great time I know. I wish we were back there. We were just reminiscing before the episode started, but we will be soon. We will be, yeah. (laughs) So I was wondering if we could start out with you sharing a little bit about how your sober journey has evolved in like the past. Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your sober story to begin with, just in case people haven't heard that first episode you were on. And then just a little bit about how your journey has evolved since we last talked. Yeah, I feel like so much has changed in the last kind of 18 months or so, I think since the last podcast. But um, I had a what I thought was a great relationship with alcohol. I was a very enthusiastic uh, drinker, like in the UK in the 90s with the whole Alco Pops um, for teenagers started drinking in my early teenage years and continued drinking. Um, I never really liked the control that alcohol had over me. However, I had not one adult around me that didn't drink alcohol. As far as I was aware, unless you were an alcoholic, sobriety wasn't a thing. Um, so it was just something that every adult did. And I, I said in my early 20s, I didn't like the control it had because although it didn't feel like it was an issue, not drinking was an issue. Um, if I was going somewhere and there was no alcohol, so like, I'm not going there. Um, and I used alcohol all the time to celebrate, to commiserate, um, mm-hmm. 
children's birthday parties, wherever we went, it was all based around alcohol. And I got to my mid thirties and started kind of toying with sobriety, but more from health and fitness point of view. Um, I have been a coach of some sorts um, to do with behavior change, mostly since my early twenties, but we were never ever kind of told that sobriety, you know, no alcohol really is the best, best way forward. Um, it was always about controlling and drinking the right kind of drinks to make sure that you're not gaining weight um, and it's not affecting your training. So I started taking breaks from alcohol. Um, and then at the end of 2018, I had high blood pressure, high resting heart rate. I looked a certain way, which I hated. Um, and so I gave up the dry January and in fact, I started a couple of days before because I hated, like, I was, I'm done. I'm really done. My brother joined me in the dry January and I did loads of research about it. And I kept on being really aware of what was changing. And sleep was one of the major things for me. I realized as I was taking breaks, just how much alcohol was affecting my sleep and how great my sleep was when I wasn't drinking. So at the end of the 30 days, when I originally had thought I'm going to treat myself to a drink, like at the end of the month. I, I was like, who am I kidding? If I'm going to treat myself, it's to stop drinking. Um, I never thought it would be long term because alcohol was a huge part of who I was. It was like my identity. I was known as party girl when I had a few drinks. Um, I was a happy drunk person. I never got in any trouble really drinking. Um, and yet here I am four years later with no alcohol and love my sobriety wholeheartedly. Like there is never a time that I'm missing, feel like I'm missing out um, in not drinking. Incredible. And Ellen, when is your sobriety date? I know I'm sure we've talked about this before, but. Um, like 28th of December. Okay. Amazing. So you literally, you hit four years already. Congratulations. Yep. That's amazing. Thank you very much. That's incredible. It's, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. I think everyone around me is kind of like, huh, how did that happen? Um, yeah. And to start off with, I had that complete like pink cloud that people talk about. I was just, I used to be yoga. Yoga is what's going to change the world. Now I'm like, sobriety is what's going to change the world with yoga as well. Um, and that sobriety really is that keystone for me. Everything else falls in place if I have sobriety. Um over the last four years, my life has completely changed. And in the last two years, especially, it's been really, really tough. Um, but people keep on saying, are you do you not want to have a drink? Are you not tempted to, to numb out? And I'm like, no, the last thing on earth that I feel that I need is to numb out from everything. Yes, life is tough, but it's tough for lots of people. And mm -hmm. it's much, much better going through it sober than it is like adding fuel to the fire. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And it's so under, um, I feel like it's so just misunderstood, you know, like, and so few people want to attribute like, you know, if you're feeling anxious, it could be related to even just having one or two drinks, like it's you don't even have to drink that much for it to be impacting your mental state. And I feel that we always want to put the blame somewhere else when really, it's a huge connection. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not until oh, I keep on going back when we were in Bali, you mentioned mm -hmm. the um, the clarity in, in the contrast. And mm -hmm. I keep on going back to that phrase is that you don't realize until you just try yeah. sobriety, yeah. 
um, you don't realize how much alcohol affects every area of your life, how you treat your friends and family, how you treat yourself. Um, that social anxiety thing I, I had questioned yesterday, like, how do you deal with social anxiety if you are not drinking? And so many people use alcohol if they're going to an event um, or they're in a situation that they're uncomfortable with. But the reality is I was never comfortable in my own skin when I was drinking alcohol. I would show up. <clears throat> I might make a fool of myself if I was drinking. I certainly during the day wasn't showing up how I thought I would. Um, as a parent, I wasn't showing up as a partner. And so when you remove alcohol and you start showing up as your authentic self, whatever that is, um, but you know how you're conducting yourself and you can come away saying, oh, yeah, OK, I'm I'm happy with that. You kind of you stop that anxiety to a certain extent. And the other thing I stopped doing was going to things that made me feel anxious. Like I started listening to my body. If it was screaming at me and my nervous system was like, no, 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 these people are not safe. This place is not safe. Then I stopped going to them. Isn't that so interesting how, and, and when I think when we hear that, like people are not safe or the place isn't safe. Sometimes it's even just a feeling of like, I don't feel um, like, loved here or appreciated or yeah. sometimes it's it doesn't even have to be like a physical danger thing it can be like this just doesn't feel like it's like safe for my sort of well-being and you I would never notice that while drinking absolutely not you your body talks to you and there are certain people that you're comfortable with and certain people that you're not comfortable with and if you're having to drink alcohol to feel like you fit in maybe you're not comfortable around those people so um, true and it's only when you remove alcohol that you can have that space to listen to what your body is telling you. Um, when you were doing yoga for us in Bali and you worked through all the chakras, one thing that I really came away with was with the third eye of I will trust my intuition. And I keep on going back to that. That's my intention going into this year was I'll trust my intuition. If, if somebody is um safe and feels safe for me and that yeah as you say it's not necessarily a fight or flight I don't think this person's going to beat me up or um and try and stab me it's purely like do I feel comfortable around them do I feel that they're not judging me um and that they're not going to go away and talk about me you know all those kinds of things those little things but right. my body can tell me those things if I'm able to listen right yeah so tell me a bit about your journey in like the last 18 months since we lasted the podcast episode like how has your life whatever you feel like sharing about how you're like <laughs> no, I'm an open book and I do I love sharing about it because I think the more we share the more we understand that people are going through hard things and that we can do hard things without alcohol um, and we can do hard things anyway um I think when I did the podcast with you, my husband was in hospital um, after his first suicide attempt. And since then, we have um, split up. And so this was somebody that I was with for 25 years since I was 17. So it's it's strange because I can liken my relationship to alcohol with alcohol started when I was like 13. And um, and then I was 17 when I got together with my husband. So he was very much tied into my identity as well um, and that kind of codependency between both of us. Um, but he has, um, in his 40s, probably when he hit about 40, it became apparent that he 
was slipping into at the time we thought it was depression um and actually he's got really quite serious mental health problems and the pathology of that illness has really uh, adapted very quickly and my body was screaming at me like this is not a safe space to be in um and so being sober and being able to kind of recognize that I just yeah couldn't keep on living in that situation um he is still in hospital actually he's been in and out of hospital um so I had moved house just before that uh taken on a renovation project which with the help of amazing friends have kind of more or less done um and built up the business as well and um had life learning life new things as single mum um whilst yeah navigating what has been mentally like and emotionally a real real difficult time uh last year was definitely uh, really really emotionally difficult um I've never suffered with depression but I could just feel it like nipping at my heels all the time last year um so it's been an interesting time for sure but sobriety has been my keystone it whatever else happened I knew that that really was the base that I work from wow oh my goodness I just feel when you're sharing what you've been through I just almost get like shivers just thinking of how much you like held on your shoulders for so long and um I've seen like I I don't share a lot about this but I've seen something really similar in my mom like my mom having to kind of keep it all together and be like the the person the mom the like the superhero you know and and I just know what that takes and what that draws out and it's just um I mean I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing and I also just think it's incredible that you come through it all and and also manage to like support this huge community of women in sobriety at the same time it's just inspirational thank you it's so uh, resilience is the word people kind of keep on using oh you're so strong you're so resilient and I'm like yeah I'm looking forward to the time that I don't need to be quite so resilient but yeah. I'm thankful that I am um I'm thankful that I am not intoxicated through it that I have sought out um help with psychotherapists and psychologists when I felt that I've needed it I I have great friends who when they have the capacity I do always ask like do you have the capacity for me right now to offload um and yeah and knowing that okay I'm not doing okay and I keep on going back to I'm not doing okay right now but it's okay this will change things will move along and you said that sobriety has been like a a keystone habit like what do you think would be how would it have been different if you were drinking emotionally I feel like it would have been a like so it was a roller coaster you know there was a real grief to losing the life that I thought I was going to have and um and for things to take such a drastic turn and for for my kids like I'm I'm devastated that my kids don't have both their parents here and how they should have but I feel like those those valleys are, 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 and the mountains would have just been so much bigger had I been drinking. I think like I'm so proud that I can show the kids that they can get through hard things without having to numb out. I'm proud that I can show them that I can cry sometimes and I can also find joy in everything that we do. Um, and I keep on going back to that. 
yes, things are bad at the moment. However, look at the people who are here helping us. Like we can go and we can go climbing and we can go paddle boarding. Like we can do all these cool things to get through today. Yes, our nervous systems are kind of like, <laughs> but also we can connect with people and there, there are things that we can do um, to bring us joy. So I, I'm i really thankful that I can be that kind of, um, show them that. Also, I, yeah, I hate to think things had happened. My husband actually, he met somebody whilst he was in hospital as well. So it like, it just, everything felt like it was going wrong. It was huge, huge kind of um, trauma really. And I'm just thankful that I'm like, okay, I can take a step back and think about what I'm feeling and how I want to go forward. I keep, I always go back to my core values. What are my core values in this? Um, how do I want to present myself because I want to be proud of myself when I come through something so um, I want to be a safe place for my kids that's the main thing I want my house to be a safe place for them Um, and I want to be kind as well like my husband ultimately is still ill um, and I want him to be well unfortunately illness doesn't work like that but um, I would want to always act from a place of kindness with with that and for my kids. Wow, you're so, um, I just think it's so incredible the way that you're like role modeling, you know, well-being and the, the types of things you're talking about, like, you know, regulating your nervous system and taking care of yourself and like looking for the helpers. Like I'm like, I wish I had that kind of conversation when I was like young and going through like, you know, some of the challenges that I went through. Like, I just think that that's, um, it's phenomenal. My kids think I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Annie's especially my oldest. She's like, oh my God, I wish we had a normal mum who doesn't (laughs) like talk. But we, it's funny as well because I now have a dry house as well from living with somebody who has mental health problems. Anyone that does knows that you're very unsure of what you're getting from day to day and from moment to moment sometimes. So everybody in the house was kind of on edge, including the dog, the poor dog. Um, (laughs) And so I realized that being around people that drink and when they change that energy shifts, I actually don't like that. So I don't have alcohol in the house. But I do, however, have lots of sober people coming to the house and we talk so openly like you and I are. Um, but one day I was like, is it strange that I only have sober people in the house and that we talk about like, <laughs> you know, how do we navigate this and what's a healthy friendship? <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's really odd. Um, but I, Oliver's gone to motocross this morning and I said to him, I'm so happy that I'm able to give you that opportunity to experience like motocross. He's nine. And he was like, should I say thank you to that? no no I just want you to know that there's good ways to chase like dopamine and adrenaline and you don't have to drink or take drugs to do that and he's like okay (laughs) mum that's amazing oh I love that so we talked a little bit at the beginning we were kind of chatting about social anxiety and um sobriety and I was wondering if we could chat a little bit about like the value in taking risks and kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone and sobriety. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so many people think that sobriety is going to be boring. I think that's yeah. one of the themes that I hear. It's like a, a big fear. Uh, what am I going to do when I give up alcohol? Because alcohol has become like the hobby. Wow. Um, and it was a driving force for me. I'd realized that actually I had become really boring. And I wasn't sure whether I was really boring because I was just drinking or the drink had made me really boring. Like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, but when I gave up alcohol, I, it took me a little while and it does take a little while because you need everything to kind of regulate, but I started stepping outside my comfort zone and things that I had wanted to do, um, when I was drinking, but never, ever had the confidence to, I started doing, I, I was doing paddle boarding and climbing, um, zip lining. I did a skydive, all these things that I had said, I will never, ever do like Oliver with the motocross, all of a sudden I was seeking things that were outside my comfort zone and they boosted my self-confidence. And when I gave up alcohol, it was like, I can take on the world because it was something that had such a control over me and not many other people love sobriety like I do. Or, you know, you you see people feeling like, I have to give this up. And feeling like I was choosing to give up something that was such a big part of me really, really boosted my self-confidence. So um, I really felt like I could do anything. Like going to Bali. (laughs) Like going to Bali. Yeah, the retreats. I mean, Bali, in fact, when, when Marie approached me with Bali, I was determined that year my intention was like to say yes to everything every opportunity that came my way so when she was like hey was that was that pre-pandemic was that 2019 that was during the pandemic that was literally I think the pandemic had um you know it was like the first couple of months of the pandemic when we thought it would be over by August (laughs) Um, yes and it kept on getting pushed back and pushed back and um I'm I'll be honest until I actually actually stepped foot outside of the airport in Bali I was like I'm not sure that this is happening yeah um well I had it I had it in my calendar so many times that I actually didn't even I don't even think I had it written down like I didn't (laughs) even know when your retreat's happening at this point and I said to Marie recently because she recently reached out to me about a September date and I was like I was like isn't Ellen's retreat in September and then I was like I think your retreat was originally in September like the year before so that's why I had this this month in my head but yeah I totally know what you mean it just felt like everything was like up in the air yeah we really didn't know and um sober travel for me sober solo travel um was a huge thing before I gave up alcohol I had never ever traveled on my own um I was so codependent on everybody else like I didn't have confidence in myself and when I gave up alcohol um I started doing little trips with the kids on my own and then I traveled to New Zealand on my own and met up with my brother um and so I traveled halfway around the world and I knew what it did to me like every time you step outside your comfort zone you realize that actually it makes you feel amazing and you achieve something that maybe you've got loads of fear around and there's quite a lot of anxiety but facing that anxiety and achieving stuff and doing it is like fantastic and I really wanted other people to experience that, other women. Um, there's lots of people who've never traveled on their own. So being able to offer the retreats um, and then whilst we're in Bali, offering like a safe space for people, it was really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. 
Were there any moments in the Bali retreat in particular that really felt like out of your comfort zone or like anything that really, um, I, there was, yeah, there was a couple of things. Um, first of all, I, I'd, um, I'd really asked Marie to go out and find me some good hikes. And I really wanted people to, uh, to experience that hiking has been a big thing for me, climbing the mountain. Cause that's what it feels like in sobriety, doesn't it? Like, this path might feel really uncomfortable and really difficult, but look at what you get when you get to the end of it. Like it yeah. is so worth all the hard work. Um, so we went out hiking, we swam in waterfalls. And that for me was the day that I fell in love with Bali. And I just said to you, like, it took me a few days. I was mm-hmm. like, huh. And then we went out into the, like the jungle and uh, trekking. It was just absolutely amazing and feeling seeing the joy in the other women's faces of being completely outside their comfort zone um, and being able to help them. I'm a personal trainer by trade. So like, it's nice to go back to that. It's just one foot in front of the other. You just worry about the here and now, not the climb that's to come um, and going back and helping them with that. I loved that. Um, Also the cookery class, there's something so therapeutic for me in community all cooking together and nourishing each other and sitting and talking um, and eating together I absolutely love that as the breakfast oh my god the juice at the yeah <laughs> at the hotel absolutely amazing um the yoga being able to tie in the yoga to the journey just everything for me relates back to sobriety really um and it's so beautifully went together um the most difficult time for me was I had a Reiki session there and that was just unreal. Um, but absolutely brilliant. Really, really fantastic in a hard way. Mm-hmm. What about it was hard? Um, there's no place to run <laughs> with it. It was, I knew I had anxiety about going to do it. I knew that whilst I can put on one face that inside my body was telling me like, yeah, you're, you're not okay. So I was anxious of um, my energy and how that was going to come across to somebody. And then the Reiki master just, as soon as he started, my throat closed up and it was like someone strangling me. Um, and he did the whole healing. And afterwards he was like, you your throat is closed up because you feel like you've never been able to articulate your side of the story um, in your relationship. And this guy knew nothing about me. Um, So he was right. And he was like, I haven't healed you. But what I came away with was this is actually, I know I'm not being heard. No one will ever understand what it's like um, and what it was like to live through what we live through. Um, So it's like, it's okay. I know I need to work on that to be able to heal properly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Reiki has been part of my journey too. A little bit. I've done a little bit of Reiki training and sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling really off, like I have a whole bunch of things in my toolkit of when I'm feeling off, but one of the things is to go for Reiki. And I did a session, I think it was August when I was in Dubai, I did a session at the healing center and the, the guy said to me, um, he was like, your root chakra, you, you don't feel like you're you aren't connected yet to Bali where you live. And it was like the craziest thing. Cause I, I was like, how would he know that? <laughs> you know, 
Um, but it was true because I still had this very strong tie and connection to Dubai and he could sense that. It's just amazing the way um, those master teachers can like really see what's going on with our energy and the feedback. It's, it's really just feeling seen and understood, I think, more than anything and just kind of yeah. making that solid connection on like, that's what I need to focus on and this is what I'm going to do to get there. Yeah, absolutely. That being seen and heard is really important. Um, and that's fine because because we had moved just before everything happened with my husband. My daughter was feeling very um, the same. And she went for some sophrology with my yoga teacher here. And the yoga teacher was saying it takes you three years to feel grounded and rooted where you moved to. Three years? So, yeah. Oh my god! Well, and it's was... funny because uh, we've we've been here two years, and Anais used to say to me, "I I'm never going to feel happy here." And she was like, "I love my my place now." And I was like, "Yeah." And imagine in another year, you're really going to feel kind of uh, grounded here. Oh, you got a little bit, yeah. That's so interesting. But that's I'm like no, because I'm going to leave soon. <laughs> well, there yeah, it's it is an interesting thing because the body does speak to you, and it's like. Yeah. where do you it's a real basic need of feeling like this is where I belong and I've had it for years being in France and always wanting to be in Canada like I don't feel like I belong here and it it somehow it shifts all the nervous system of um okay do I belong am I happy am I safe here and then of course everything from there up yeah yeah oh that's so interesting um so you so we're doing another Bali retreat next year yeah, absolutely. Um, Miss Mandy Manners, my uh, my <laughs> my friend. I'm uh, pleased to say she actually lives in France as well. Uh, she's going to be co-hosting with me, and Mandy is amazing, uh, a trauma-informed coach. And we kind of it's like a yin and yang. Um, we say when we're together, so it, it is going to be great. And we got you doing the yoga again um, every morning. So very That's similar so kind of setup. Um, daily yoga, more waterfall hikes, more mala bead making, which was a great activity actually to all sit together calmly and do something. Um, more sharing circles, more creating a safe space for people to connect um, on a different level. Amazing. And that's October. Is it October, November? When October okay. 20th. <laughs> I should have my dates together. October 21st, I think. <laughs> okay, perfect. Check oh, out the website. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about it. And we'll put the link in this episode show notes. So if anyone is curious about joining, um, I'm so excited. I just had an amazing time last time. I honestly, I think I expressed this on the on the retreat, but for me, like I love running my own retreats. It's amazing, but it's also really stressful because I'm like not a travel like business person. <laughs> like I, I don't have a tour company <laughs> and, and I'm really good at like teaching the yoga and like, you know, just being with people. And so when I was able to slide in and teach the yoga on Alan's retreat, it was just ideal because I didn't really have to do anything else. I could just come teach the yoga, eat breakfast, kind of socialize with all the guests and and then go home and do my other thing. And so um, I'm looking forward to it again, because it's just a really, it's a great way for me to connect in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a pleasure for me to um, show you people we were talking before we started, didn't we? We both got quite different lifestyle to lots of people. Yeah. Um, I knew that I didn't want to stay in the UK. And for me, well-being is everything, like our health and our well-being, physically, mentally, emotionally. 
that has been my my biggest kind of drive from my teenage years so ironically I didn't realize that sobriety was part of that for a long time but um yoga has been a huge part of my life since I was about 22 um and so it was really nice I've forgotten it's just normal for me but opening the yoga up to people who suddenly it was like they were discovering a whole new thing um and realizing just how you leave your ego at the door you are able to have like meditation in movement it's not about being the most flexible or the best at something it's about just being present in the moment um so it was really nice to introduce women to that as well absolutely yeah well ellen i just want to thank you so much for being on the show today it was so awesome to connect with you to hear more little bits about your story and to talk about what we have upcoming next year i'm so pumped about it yeah thank you very much alex it's been great is there anything else that you want to share to feel complete um no i just anybody that's questioning their relationship with alcohol just i go back to your thing of there is clarity and contrast. Mm -hmm. So just take a break and see how good life can actually be. Love it. Love it. Such a great piece of wisdom to end on. Thank you. Have a great evening or day and I'll see you soon. Hi friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of sober yoga girl podcast. This community wouldn't exist without you here. So thank you. It would be massively helpful if you could subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast so it can reach more people. If we haven't met yet in real life, please come get your one week free trial of the sober girls yoga membership and see what we're all about. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.